from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. She kept saying, honey, you're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. From the end of April to May 13th when he passed away, they were just talking by text. And he was, he kept telling her and her daughters, I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't think I'm going to make it. The best way for us to beat this pandemic is to get vaccinated. Part of his hesitancy to get this is because of how your community has been treated by the medical establishment right. in the past. Right. You have good reason to have some skepticism. Right. Right. And yet at the same time, that hesitancy may have cost this man his life. People believe people they trust. I'm Sarah Fenske. Mark Anthony Campbell died last month, three weeks after being diagnosed with COVID-19. The local entrepreneur's death was the subject of Sylvester Brown Jr.'s most recent story in the St. Louis American, and a good reminder, he says, that COVID-19 is still deadly. And Sylvester Brown Jr. joins us today to discuss it. Sylvester, welcome back. Well, hello, sir. It's good to see you. So I really enjoyed this story, but it was also so sad. Um, Tell us, who was Mark Anthony Campbell? He was an entrepreneur. Uh, I met Mark about 30 years ago. I had uh, my newspaper, Take Five magazine, and Mark was an advertiser. And, you know, he advertised almost every month, and we talked and chatted. Unfortunately, you know, I haven't talked to Mark. I saw him outside of the restaurant and waved at him, but I haven't had a conversation with him in, a, you know, in that long, you know, in about 10 years. Um, so I saw him about maybe a year or two ago. And uh, then I heard the news. It just blew up on Facebook. And I was like, no, Mark, no. Yeah. I mean, this was not an elderly person whatsoever. No, no, Mark was about my age. I think he was in his 60s. In fact, it was his 60th birthday. It was uh, about 16 days uh, after he died. (sighs) Um, So, yeah, me, like a whole lot of other folks in St. Louis, knew him. He was kind of a legend because Mark was always well-dressed, had this gray beard. He was dapper. I mean, that was his job. You know, he was uh, fashion and jewelry, um, accessories. That's what he did for more than 30 years. And so this is what he was advertising in in Take 5 magazine back in the day. So he found some success in this field. I think Mark did okay. I think everybody knew him, and it seemed like, you know, especially after he passed, everybody had stories. I bought this when they were posting the jewelry and the handbags and everything that they'd gotten from him. So it was was very touching. Did he ever have a retail outlet, or was he selling these things online? He did. He did. He had several. He was, when I met him, he was over, he was in the University City, Skinker and Delmore. Uh, but I think he was in several malls. He moved around a lot. Now, his last location, I think, was in North St. Louis on West Florissant. Okay. He shared a space with another designer. So he had the, these uh, clothes and accessories that he was selling. Sounds like a man that, that had built up a lot of respect in the community. Yeah. Um, when did he first get sick? Uh, I forgot the date. I think it was May. No, it was the end of April. He'd just gotten back from a trip. It was on a Sunday. And he took he and his even though he wasn't feeling great, he and his wife took their uh, two two daughters to pasta house. And while he was there, he was like, "I got chills." And he stepped outside to get um, some sun. Um, that was on a Sunday. By Thursday, he just, was just like his wife said. He wasn't looking as swaggerish. He looked beat up. Uh, so he went to urgent care, 
and she got the news from a text she sent her. The results were positive. They feared his kidneys were shutting down, so they sent him to DePaul Hospital, I believe. And he was on the COVID floor, she said, so she couldn't She couldn't even him. see him. Right. And then the next day, she got sick. And she was thinking, oh, so she quarantined herself and the girls in the house. So throughout all, I think it was from May 13th, I think he passed them. I should have brought my notes. But uh, right, from the end of April to May 13th when he passed away, they were just talking by text. And he was, he kept telling her and her daughters, I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't think I'm going to make it. And and she said they didn't really pay a lot of attention to that because he was kind of morbid in a way. She said mm-hmm. he always talked about death and leaving them and what to do when he's gone. So she kept saying, honey, you're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. And their their very last conversation, somehow she missed his phone call. But his older daughter got the phone call, and he said, I don't think I'm going to make it. I just want you guys to know I love you. And then she found out the next day they had passed away. And so she was not able to have that final goodbye no, in person. No. Even now with COVID-19, they're, they're keeping families away from this. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just so devastating. It, it was a heartbreaking story. I mean, it, it, it was one of love and family, mm-hmm. but it was also a story about misconceptions, uh, uh, suspicions, the history of African Americans in the medical system. Because she thought, because they thought, because of uh, medical religious reasons and the history of uh, medical abuse, that they decided not to to. Uh, get vaccinated. They made a conscious choice. Made a conscious decision not to get vaccinated. And I wanted to tell that part. It was a very sensitive story. It was. You handled it well. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Because I really wanted to tell that part. Uh, because to me, the first thing hit me was, wow, here we are thinking this thing is gone. And now we lost a well-known uh, uh, public figure, you know. Um, so I wanted to get that part in there. But I wanted to be very, very careful because I didn't want to write a story where the community was responding on Facebook and, you know, see, you should have got this. They should have done this. They should have known better. They have kids. I, I didn't want to write that kind of story, even though we, I did get a, I saw a few of those responses. But the the majority of the responses was compassion. Mm-hmm. And and we share your loss. He was a great man. Randy Knott wrote something that I included in the story of how he knew Mark as a dapper man with a dapper beard. And that's the TV reporter TV who, reporter, who wrote this. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, morning news anchor. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Any, anyway, who cares? We, we need to watch more TV news. Clearly, <laughs> right, Sylvester. Right, right. <laughs> but it was a lot of that. It was more of that than anything. People negative. didn't blame him for that choice. No, there were a couple of comments, but on, on the overall, they. They were concerned about the family, mm-hmm. the mother, the daughter. He had kids by another relationship, and he had a family. And uh, so people were really talking to them, talking about their personal loss and the loss to this family. And this is such a real loss. And, and looking at the lovely picture in your story of, yeah. of his daughters, I yeah. mean, it's hard not to look at this and, and frankly, just wish that he had gotten that vaccine. Right. Right. I mean, is that hard for you as, as you look at this choice? As you say, part of his hesitancy to get this is because of how your community has been treated by the medical establishment right. in the past. Right. You have good reason to have some skepticism. Right. Right. And yet at the same time, that hesitancy may have cost this man his life. It might have. And, and the good thing about this whole series, this fellowship I've been on, I've really gotten a chance to explore that dynamic, you know. It's not just people being uninformed or silly. 
you know, a lot of these suspicions and, and, and paranoia is based on real events, not just the Tuskegee experiment. A whole lot of things up until the 80s, you know, where the, where medical, the medical system has either ignored or experimented on black people. Then you bring in that whole religious element. Uh, his wife actually had scriptures, you know, to quote uh, the mark of the beast and all this stuff. So I, I try to put that out there without condemning them but also showing that, you know, there are ramifications to the way that we think about this thing. And if there's a vaccine out there, and I've done several stories on what medical people say in this, if there's a vaccine out there, the best way for us to beat this pandemic is to get vaccinated. So I, I hope that, and this is my second wish, is that anybody who's on the fence, anybody who's, you know, I'm not going to do it, or I don't want to do it, I'm scared to do it, to look at that story and see there's consequences for not taking care of yourself in this terribly fragile time. So, My guest today is Sylvester Brown Jr. He's a longtime writer and editor here in the St. Louis area. He's now writing for the St. Louis American. Um, every week there's a different story. And, and Sylvester, as you mentioned, this is as part of a fellowship. Um, yes. Tell us about this fellowship. The, last year, the Deaconess Foundation, uh, they contacted the Americans that we've got some money we want to dedicate to a journalistic fellowship. And they were very smart, I think, in this. They they asked for narrative stories. They didn't want uh, whoever got this job to be reporting statistics and, you know, medical stuff. They wanted real stories from real people. And they used the word narrative. So they chose me, and I was, you know, I was in that lane anyway. So I, I jumped at the opportunity. And it, it really has been a blessing and a gift for me is sharpening my storytelling skills. It's forcing me to look at a story and dig and probe and find out what is the human story here? You know, there, what are we trying to tell here? There yeah. have been so many good stories that have come out of this. People that wouldn't normally be the subject of a newspaper profile, right. but they have really interesting stories. And, and COVID-19 has, has been the backdrop for all of this. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you feel like, I mean, it's kind of the best of times, it's the worst of times. You're doing some of your best work right here as, well, as people are, are suffering. Yeah. Well, I look at it like the WPA project. You know, they took a slice of time, I think this was in the 30s, and just interviewed people. So you got a real... A real-time account of what it was like before, before, after slavery. So I look at this as the same way. This is a slice of how African Americans in St. Louis dealt with, cope with uh, the pandemic. So yeah, it's that. That's my. That's what keeps me motivated. Mm -hmm. That twenty years from now, thirty years from now, you'll be able to go back and look at these series of stories and get real life human narrative. So. They're there for sure. Oh and, and, and we're now in the vaccine stage of this pandemic. And, and as you were discussing, um, there is some real hesitancy within your community. And, you know, increasingly there's reporting coming out that shows like Russian intelligence is trying to sow yeah. more of that doubt and sowing it particularly within and the African-American yeah. community. Yeah. Does that make you angry? It makes me angry and um a bit surprised. Why is Russia you know, targeting African Americans? Um, but the key is people people believe people they trust. So if you have a if you're if you're going through an African American website or somebody is sending you a story that they picked up on some random site, if it comes from somebody that you trust, you're likely to 
believe it for sure. And so, but I don't, I don't understand the motivation. Why us? Don't you think <laughs> they kind of see this is America's Achilles heel? That there's there's all these um, wrong things this country has done yeah, and right. not fully atoned for, right. and they are just driving right in that wedge. You know, they've been in that lane for a while, not just with COVID, but with politics. You know, they they target these groups based on the fears and perceptions of these groups. It is really. I don't know, sickly sophisticated. It is sickly sophisticated. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, there are all these things that that the medical community has done wrong over the years to right. your people. Right. And so they're able to take this this thing that has truth at its core and turn it into this big lie. Yeah. And is it frustrating to see that play out among people you love? It's frustrated that America has allowed itself to be so vulnerable. What COVID has done is exposed, highlighted all these existing disparities, you know, Getting access to quality health care, uh, having transportation, you know, African-Americans, why are we so disproportionately impacted by this? I know they say obesity and, and uh, diabetes and high blood pressure, but why are we still so disproportionately represented? And what can we do about it? Mm-hmm. So when another plague or pandemic comes along, I'm hoping, I'm praying that we've learned from, I, I'm hoping that COVID has taught us a few things about how we should interact, protect, and talk to, th- to these marginalized communities. It does feel like we're talking a lot more about yeah. that these days. Do you think yeah. the right people are talking about it that could actually change things? You know, I hate to act like there's any positive spin to COVID. <laughs> it's true. But it is. I think that I, I, I believe that the George Floyd murder would not have had the same impact had it not happened in May, you know, two months after, um, after COVID started spreading in March. People were vulnerable. They were assessing their own priorities. Life and death meant something. What if I lose my mother or my sister or my brother? It meant something. So when we watch George Floyd die in that environment, not only did it have a negative impact on young black kids, it had a negative impact on the whole country. And I think they responded because of COVID. So my point is, COVID has forced us to really assess who and what we are, what our values are, what our priorities are, Who's important? Uh, what elected official should go? Thank God one did. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it. <laughs> Not to bring it back to that. But, but yeah, I think if there is an upside to this whole pandemic, I think it's made many of us look at our lives, look in the mirror, you know, and ask ourselves what is important. Well, I hope you're right about that, because I think yeah. that is the ultimate question that right. we all need to confront in our lives. Right. And right. and I so appreciate the reporting you've been doing on this. And, and I'm also so glad you're here today. You are fully vaccinated. I am. I am. Had wow. both, both shots, uh, I think, about a month and a half ago. I'm very happy that we're not going to lose yeah. you. Not to this. But I'm so. still wearing my mask. I don't, I'm, there you go. For some reason, I'm just not that comfortable yet. As, as you say in this column, COVID is still deadly. Still with us. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Well, Sylvester Brown Jr., I want to thank you so much for joining us today and, and for sharing of this work. I really appreciate you reaching out, Sarah. Thank you so much. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. 
St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.